What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. We're back after a week off due to the holidays and diving right back into our uh, early conference preview series. Now, uh, last one we did was the America East, and then prior to that, the ACC. You can listen to both of those uh, on the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Um, should be in your feed. If you subscribe to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple, Google, Podcasts, Spotify, and plenty, plenty of other ones, you'll get those and more. Uh, the Mailbag episode will be coming back this week. Already got, a, already got uh, most of the questions lined up. For this Sunday's episode, um, most of them were ones that were sent in prior uh, to last week. But you can still send in your questions for, uh, you know, might answer them this week, might push them back a week. Uh, but we'll certainly answer uh, your questions. Send them in via email, contact at lacrossebucket.com. You can also find us on Twitter at lacrossebucket. Instagram and Facebook as well. My personal Twitter at Tanner underscore Demling. You can also send questions uh, via DM there as well. So let's get into the Big East a bit. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned on the past couple, we don't know exactly what schedules will look like. Um, there's been some reporting over the past two weeks um, that do provide some clarity of what more conferences are going to do. Um, I have the, you know, from what I've heard and from what I've seen reported, it's it, kind of a consensus that most conferences will go heavy conference only with some non-con games. I know uh, the Patriot League uh, split their teams into two divisions, and so you play within your division. <clears throat> I think they play each divisional opponent once, um, uh, and maybe two, or one or two divisional opponents twice, I believe. Um, and then those like two or three cross division games, and then they're leaving it up to each institution for. Uh, if they want to do non-conference games. Uh, that seems the realm that most are going, besides the splitting into multiple divisions, uh, because not every conference can do that uh, with the number of teams they have. Um, I think the ACC is doing, I saw a report where they're going to do, um, I think it's like six conference games, um, and then there are other non-con games that you can play, but uh, I, I, essentially what it sounds like is some teams are going to be playing each other twice. I don't know who. Um, I would guess Duke, UNC would play each other twice um, because of the proximity. Um, you know, would Duke play Syracuse twice? And I, I, I don't know. We'll have to see uh, how things shake out uh, when they eventually get announced. Um so that's kind of what we've heard from other conferences. 
of this podcast, obviously talking about the Big East, and um, I'm reading this right now off of InsideLacrosse.com from Matt Kinnear. Um, He reported last week, I guess two weeks ago now, that the Big East is targeting a double-round-robin format uh, for its 2021 season, uh, conference season. Um, You know, I don't think the Big East has certainly determined whether there will be non-con games um, at all. Um, I've heard that there probably will be uh, some non-con games in the Big East, but I think it would obviously depend on opponent. Um, you know, I would think that if there would be non-con games for a team like Denver, it might be against a SoCon team that is playing Air Force or a team that's going out to play Utah. Um, you know, those three programs, Denver, Utah, Air Force, really in this year, and you could argue Cleveland State as well, not being in a conference at all, um, the, the only independent that's competing this year. Um, with Hampton not, uh, well, the only independent not regarding Utah um, that's competing this year. Um, obviously, Hampton's out. Utah's playing. Cleveland State's playing. Uh, so there's only two independents. Uh, feel for those two programs. Denver and Air Force as well, if they're going to play non-con games. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking at schedule-wise for the Big East. Um, round Robin. A double round robin, round robin format. Uh, you know, I, I from this report it looks like the um, Big East tournament is going to be as it is, um, basically a four-team tournament, semifinals, and a championship game, um, just as usual. Uh, I know some conferences, the CAA, is allowing everybody to play, so. Uh, we could have you know, a winless CAA team uh, somehow get hot and win the uh, CAA tournament. Uh, that would be a fun storyline. Um, so, you know, that's what things are looking like on the schedule front. Um, and again, we don't know when the schedules are going to come out. We don't know when, you know, when, if... if Conferences will release them. Teams will release them. Uh, a couple of schedules. Stony Brook Navy have already released their conference schedules. Uh, we are not sure on their non-con games, though. Um, getting into the nitty-gritty here of this podcast, um, and kind of what I did last podcast was kind of talk about the two front runners in the conference. And then went off and talked about some of the other teams, give some footnote type stuff um, about some of the other squads in this conference. So, obviously, with the Big East, you've got to start with Denver and with Georgetown. And uh, we'll start with uh, Bill Tierney and his pioneers here. Um, this is a team that last year. I don't think was that good. I wasn't that big of a fan of, um, and they were very young um, to to, to uh, Grant. You know, um, Jack Hanna was just a sophomore. He led them in points last year. 
Um, Alex Simmons was a freshman. I think he was second points uh, for them last season. Uh, so, you know, both the, those two midfielders are back, and they're going to be their leaders at that midfield spot. Obviously, you have Ethan Walker coming back for the fifth season, best shooter in college across, um, 219 points during his career thus far. Um, he had 25 points, 15 goals, 10 assists last year. I think his passing game has just improved um, over his career. Um, so you have those three studs coming back, and Hannah Simmons and then Walker being that fifth-year leader on that offense. Um, and then in addition to those three guys, uh, those three main guys, I would say, coming back um, for the fifth season, you know, Denver went into the transfer portal, and they absolutely killed it. Um, you know, they went up to New Haven, Connecticut, and uh, took advantage of the fact that Yale could not bring seniors back. Um, obviously, disregarding T.D. Irwin in that conversation because that was a different situation. But uh, Denver brings in Jackson Morrill and Lucas Cottinger. Um, Morrill, I you know, him and Walker on that same attack unit um, is going to be pretty dangerous. Uh, Morrill's more of a kind of X kind of quarterback type um, attackman. And Walker is more of an above-the-cage guy. Um, I think that could work very, very well at that attack position. Um, I know these guys have gotten a fall-in together. Uh, so, some, so unlike some other teams with some big-time transfers, we might see uh, this unit kind of work together better early on in the season. And then Lucas Cottonwood coming in on the midfield. You know, he wasn't a guy that... Um, he wasn't a, you know, he, he was a starter at Yale, but he wasn't a guy that you pointed to and said, you know, watch him. Like this, he was not like the guy on the offense. That was moral for the most part last year. And then obviously before him, Ben leaves. Um, and Lucas Cotler kind of flew under, flew under the radar a bit. That's, that's the right words to use for that. He flew under the radar a bit during his time at Yale. Coming into this Denver offense, which, you know, I think this Denver midfield, I talked about a few weeks, uh, two weeks ago, uh, put out my top kind of uh, units coming into the season, looked at attack, midfield, and then defense. And, uh, no, I believe Denver was my, was in my top attack unit. Um, yeah, they were, they, yep, they were, uh, one of my top attack units and I put more attack units than midfield units, um, in there. Um, and obviously there's some that I left out that you could, uh, put in there as well. Uh, but obviously you could put 10 in there if you wanted to, I think I put seven, um, you know, with Kotler coming in, and he's a very, uh, you can plug him in at, at various different spots. Um, and, and he just deepens this midfield, which, to be honest, like was pretty young last year. You had a sophomore and a freshman as your leaders. Um, and then J.J. Silstrop, uh, who 
was a freshman last year. Um, he was just amazing. Like, he's a guy that everyone knew who Alex Simmons was. I'd seen him multiple times in high school. Um, and you knew he was going to come in and, and, and make an impact. Like, uh, J.J. Silstrop, uh, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, you know, he emerged just as a dominant, dominant shooter last season. Um, and he's going to be, I would expect him to be that third attackman uh, for them this year. Uh, put Morrill back at, at back at X as, as kind of a feeder, um, kind of that QB type guy. Um, and then you put Silstrop and Walker on, uh, on on both sides of the cage. And, I mean, this is an attack unit that is going to be pretty, pretty dangerous. Uh, but then I mentioned Cotwood coming in with this midfield of Hannah and Simmons, and that could be just as dangerous. So you know, this Denver offense, for as much as everyone wants to talk about Duke and Notre Dame and what they got through the transfer portal, and they got a lot. Uh, don't get me wrong. They got a lot. They won the portal, uh, no doubt. But you know, you've got to look at Denver, too, and what they did this offseason. And it, it's equally as impressive. And, and it's going to be a fun, fun offense to watch out there in Denver uh, this season. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why uh, they are favorites, not only to be uh, contenders in the Big East, uh, which they will be, uh, but favorites to maybe even make a championship weekend run, uh, something they haven't done since 2015, I believe, uh, when they uh, won their title. It was 2015, right, when they won the title? I don't have the, everything up right now. Um, I don't have the title list up right now. Uh, the, the Wikipedia page, if you will. Um, you know, and for as good as this Denver offenses, and this is a trend that we'll talk about throughout this podcast, is I think this like this defense is was really, really young last year. And I think the Big East might have some of the best defenses in in the league uh in, in NCAA lacrosse this year, uh are right in the Big East. Um Denver was the thirteenth ranked scoring defense last year. Um, and like I mentioned, they were very, very young. Um, you know, in if you in starting with things in cage, you know, Jack Thompson was was a freshman. He saw action in the final five games, um, and started in the final two UNC and Notre Dame. That had you know forty five percent save percentage. Um, Cole French also. Uh, saw some time in cage as well and held his own. Um, I would expect Thompson to get that start uh, this year. And again, he was a freshman last season making those starts. Um, out in front of the cage, Adam uh, Hangland, I believe is how you pronounce it, and Jack DiBenito. Um, apologies if I uh, butchered either of those names. Because uh, I know I did. Um, they both started all six games at close as freshmen. And I don't think either of them really did. Like, I wouldn't say that either of them were, um, like, stellar. But 
you definitely and I went back and watched over the uh, over the fall some of Denver's games that I could find, and you see them this defense, uh, specifically the the young guys, just continually every game got better and better and better, and you we should only see them improve here as sophomores. Um, and then one guy that I like, uh, Malik Sparrow. Uh, he was a LSM last year um, as a freshman. And, you know, they put him on, I think they put him on Chris Gray um, in the second half, I want to say. I think they put him on Chris Gray in the second half of that game against UNC. And, you know, I, I, I mentioned him as a guy that I think is going to have a breakout season. Um yeah, yeah, they put him on Dyson Williams against Duke and on Chris Gray against UNC. And, um, you know, he – obviously both guys had points. Um, you're not going to stop either of those guys. But he held his own and played really, really well against those guys as a freshman. Um, will they you know, keep him at LSM, bump him down um, to, to close? You know, I don't know. Um, they kind of played him as a tweener last year. I mentioned that they did put him uh, at close at times, but he you know, always started as an LSM on the wings there. Um, and he played well last year, so we'll see how he takes uh, the step he can take. Uh, it's six ground balls, seven cause turnovers. He also notched a goal. Um, and then speaking of kind of defense, you know that front line there, Danny Logan. Uh, he's probably one of the best short stick defensive midfielders in the country. More underrated guy, I would say. Uh, he's back for the fifth season. Uh, he had 15 ground balls, seven caused turnovers, three assists, and a goal last season. So, very, very versatile player on that front line there as their top short stick defender. Um, and then, as always, uh, with Denver, uh, you, 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 you know, ever since. The two thousand oh, oh, mid twenty tens, we've had to talk about their face off dominance, and uh, you saw twenty nineteen. They took a bit of a step back, but um, last year they uh, bounced back, went through the roof again at the face off dot, and all thanks to Alex Stathakis. Um, you no, know, and I saw Alec. Two or three times in high school, and I I gotta tell you, because he came to Louisville and played Trinity and Saint X, and I I think he only won one face off between both games, and I think both guy both teams it was just Trinity had a guy going D one, um, at the dot. And Stathicus comes in and just only lost like one. It was literally like one face-off between both games. Um, he went 62% last year as a freshman. Best young face-off guy in the country. Kind of um, continuing that pipeline. You had Chase Carrero, Trevor Baptiste, Alex Stathicus at the face-off dot. Leading Denver to championship weekend appearances. 
I mentioned the stellar offense they have and the good but young defense they have. And then to have that you know, X factor at the face-off dot, which honestly, Denver has not had good, like really, really good defenses in the recent history. I think a lot of that is because Trevor Baptiste won so many faceoffs, they didn't have to do much. You know, we we might see if that defense does struggle this year, that might be kind of hidden. Uh, the fact of that might be hidden uh, if Stathakis can get those faceoff wins uh, that we expect him to get. All right, now moving on to Georgetown. Well, you know, this is a I, – I'll, I'll say this. If there's any team that I'm afraid of in the Big East that might not play, it's Georgetown. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. I expect them to play. Um, you know, I want them to play. They were a very, very exciting team last year and should be again this year. Um, currently, I have them as my favorite to win the Big East. Um, and I know I just talked for like, what, 15 minutes about what Denver was. Um, and we're going to talk for another 15 about the Hoyas. But, um, you know, and, and then, you know, take a little five, six minutes to talk about some of these other teams that I think could, a few could possibly contend and maybe upset. Um, this, this is, this is, you know, all due respect to guys like Daniel Piccolo. Lucas Wittenberg. This might be the best Georgetown team since like Brody Mill and those guys, which was like what the early two thousands. Like honestly, like in, they have, um, they haven't made the NCAA quarterfinals in thirteen tournaments, thirteen years. Um, I say 13 tournaments because there was no tournament last year, but 13 years. They could have broken that drought last year. They were 6-0, and number 10 in the nation, but their schedule was very, very soft. It was, uh, you ever have silly putty as a kid, and you just, like, grab it, and it just, it was silly putty. Like, it was, it was very, very soft, um. Might be a weird analogy there, but it, it, it was it was soft. Um, very weak schedule. Obviously, not their fault that Towson was awful, um, and they just steamrolled them. Um, and not their fault that UNC, who I think was like, because you had Georgetown and UNC as the two undefeated that, oh, well, they haven't really played anybody. Uh, UNC got to play Denver, who was good, um, obviously. Um, who we just talked about, Georgetown schedule was nothing like what UNC's was, uh, but they went six and zero with who they had on the schedule. They looked good. They produced the number one defense in the nation, and they've got everybody back on that defense. And that's where you know I want to start with this team because. I do think this defense is going to be just as good, if not better, than it was last season. Um, And, you know, this is a Georgetown defense I just mentioned. They were the 
number one defense in the country last year. And they should be the number one defense in the country again here in 2021. Uh, Gibson Smith, um, I think he got snubbed from the in U.S. U.S. Lacrosse Magazine only did one All-American list. They didn't do a first team, second team, third team. Honorable mention, they just did a first team. Um, Gibson Smith was not on there. Gibson Smith is a top five defenseman in the country. Um, him along with James Donaldson. Um, you know, that's a two-headed monster that no attackman, no offensive player, midfielder, whatever, wants to try to go into the middle of. Um, both guys were stellar last year. Mentioned Gibson Smith, I think, is a top five defenseman. Um, I think we see him maybe make more of a name for himself this year. Um, I think James Donaldson will take a step forward. He had five cost turnovers, five ground balls last season. Smith had 24 ground balls, seven caused turnovers. Donaldson will be a junior this year. Smith coming back as a fifth-year senior. Oh, excuse me. Smith will be a senior. Donaldson will be a sophomore. Donaldson was a freshman last year. Um, leading off this year's uh, current roster. Um, thought it was last year's. but um, So those two guys, a year older, we'll see what they do. Um, and then also you have Joe Wakazi, uh, who's a senior, and Alex Mazzone, who's a junior. Both those guys, I think. We'll see which one of them maybe wait, makes their way into that third starting spot. But they both played a decent amount last year at close. Uh, we'll see which one of them um, you know, kind of steps up and is that foreboding third guy on uh, at close for this Hoyas team. The biggest name for a lot of people um, – on this Georgetown defense is Owen McElroy. Um In between the pipes, he had posted a D1 best, 63 save percentage last season. Um, obviously, I mentioned the schedule wasn't that good, and they were 6-0. Still counts. D1 best, 63% save percentage last season. I only say that kind of preface part because... A lot of people hit me up all the time when I talk about Georgetown and how good this team was last year and how good they can be this year and what McElroy did and all that. A lot of people hit me up and are like, hey, they didn't play nobody. I understand that. I understand they got to prove it. But if you go off just the baseline numbers and if you watched them at all, you will know that you know, look, if you're a top 10 team, you're supposed to dominate competition that is lesser than you. If it's a top 25 team that comes in and gives you trouble, that's one thing. If it's a low-level, uh, unranked squad that gives you trouble, then that tells me, okay, they're, they're not what they what they are. Um, no, we didn't get to see Georgetown against any elite competition last year. But we will this year, 
And so for all y'all, all the haters out there of this team, um, we'll get to see what they are and if what we saw last year was actually real or not. Um, I tend to believe it is, especially on this defensive end. Mention again, Gibson Smith is a top five defenseman in the country. Owen McElroy is the best goalie that no one talked about last year. Um, moving on to the offensive side of the ball with this Hoyas team. Jake Kaleway is back for a fifth season. And Dylan Watson is back as well. Uh, Watson, I believe, was a sophomore last season, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, obviously, Jake Kaleway kind of took over the reins. Big question last year was, okay, Daniel Bucaro's gone. Who's going to step up and be the guy on offense for this Hoyas, for this Hoyas squad? And that was Jake Kaleway. Uh, many questioned if he could do it. Ultimately, he was able to do so. Uh, Dylan Watson uh, out of Ontario, yes, he was a sophomore last year. Those two guys back. Uh, Caraway, a bit more balanced of a attackman. Watson, more of a shooter. Had 23 goals last season to assist. Caraway was 23-11. and 11, um, So I expect both their production, obviously, to go up. Um, I don't know why I keep saying that because it's it's for every player, unless they get injured, it's gonna go up because you're not gonna play six games this year. Um I need you no, know, it's a habit of saying that, but it's gonna go up like Jesus. Um some other guys on this offense, uh Glenn Bundy Jr. You know, I've been following him since he was in high school. Um he was amazing last year. Like as a freshman, I knew how good this kid was, but I didn't know how well he would translate to the college game. Boy, did he ever translate. Eight goals, five assists last year. Wasn't like wasn't like outstanding. Um, wasn't anything that you know pops off the screen at you. Uh no, he definitely was not um Josh Zawada at Michigan. We'll talk about him next podcast. Uh, we get to the Big Ten, but he definitely wasn't that level. But he was really, really good. Um, Thirteen points is you no know, in six games is nothing to laugh at, and his production was spread out pretty evenly. Um, you know, he didn't like his first couple games. I don't think he really popped off much, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, and I'm looking at the stats here. He didn't really pop off. In those first couple games, um, but really took hold. Uh, you know, got in the rhythm against Fairfield. He had one goal, three assists, and then through the final few games of the season, um, was pretty productive. Um, his best game was against Bellarmine. He had three goals, one assist uh, against Bellarmine. In what was their second to last game of the season, and then what did he do against Towson? And again, Towson wasn't too good, but they have a, always have a decent uh, defensive talent there. Uh, he had three goals against Towson, and um, we'll see what he does as a 
sophomore uh, should be uh, another good year for him uh, on the offensive front. Glenn Bundy Jr., uh, Declan McDermott is also a guy, he's a junior, uh, that I think we will see a lot more from this year. He was a midfielder as well, a junior. Um, and then the big, you know, Georgetown, they didn't go on the transfer portal as much as some other teams did. But they did get Nikki Pekovic um, out of Colgate. He was the third leading scorer for the Raiders last season. Um, one of the best attackmen uh, for an offense that was actually pretty decent, uh, pretty good. Remember, they beat Syracuse. Uh, just wrote an article looking at the top um, upsets in college lacrosse history. You can find that at lacrossebucket.com. And uh, obviously, that Colgate one over Syracuse is on there, and uh, mention him. In that one, uh, you know, he was a guy that was, you know, he didn't, you know, at Colgate uh, last season, he had nine goals, nine assists. He was a pretty even keel kind of guy, um, meaning like kind of um, average, I would say. Uh, he wasn't, he was definitely one of the top producers. Um I'm kind of skeptical as to where he fits into this offense, uh, but I guess we'll see. Um, and I think I mentioned Denver has had fall ball. Georgetown has not had fall ball. Georgetown did not get a fall ball. And, um, you know, if you've seen on Twitter, Instagram, they've got the hashtag we want to play um, thing going on there. Uh, basketball. Men's and women's is currently the only sport competing on campus um, at Georgetown. So it'll be certainly a learning curve for some of these newer guys coming in, uh, freshmen and transfers uh, for the Hoyas this spring. Uh, you know, obviously, Caraway, Watson, the, the, the two big names there, uh, but Petkovic was a big get as well. Uh, and again, we'll see where he fits in. On this offense, which should be like a top 15 producing offense again. Um, they were top 10 last year. I don't know if that's going to hold up uh, just because of the maybe the, the schedule, depending on what that looks like, and then the learning curve that I think we'll see um, with these guys getting back into the groove with each other. And then obviously with Petkovic and any freshman that steps up um, and, and gets some, get some uh, quality PT. Uh, the Hoyas now at the faceoff dot. James Riley, uh, he was pretty solid last year, sixty-nine percent um, in the games they played, and fifty percent in twenty nineteen. You know, Georgetown isn't a team that I look at and say, okay, they're they're, they're going to dominate the dot and that's and get the ball to their offense. That's how they're going to win. Uh, but still, think he'll make an impact, big one this year. So that is kind of my uh, my Big East previewing the top two teams in that conference with Georgetown and Denver. And as I mentioned, um, I right now my preseason rankings I have Georgetown one, Denver two. I think Denver has more upside. 
Uh, but I think Georgetown's better right now, especially on the defensive end. Um, so we'll see how things shake out there. And as with the America East podcast, I do want to go over some other teams that you need to be aware. Go over the other teams. Uh, just give anecdotal things about Providence, Villanova, Marquette, and St. John's. And I'll kind of give you kind of a glimpse at the end of my full preseason rankings in the Big East. And maybe a few teams that I think could contend, um, which one of them happens to be Providence. Um, I think Providence is probably the third best team in the Big East, to be honest with you. Um, this is a team that their identity has been defense for a couple years now. That does not look to change here in 2021. Uh, Emmett Jennings is returning their top pole from last season. 12 ground balls and tw- uh, tw- 20 ground balls and 12 caused turnovers. Uh, ground ball machine was a full-time starter the past two seasons. Uh, should be the biggest biggest uh, guy in front of the cage again at close this spring. And then junior LSM Mike O'Grady. Uh, he started one game at close last year. We'll see how they play him this year. Um, he's going to be a solid guy as well. Nick to- Tomasi. I believe how you pronounce that. 11 ground balls, two cause turnovers. He's an LSM with returning for fifth season. And then also at the LSM spot, Michael Hughes was a, uh, he's a sophomore, and he had a pretty solid freshman season. Um, eight ground balls, five caused turnovers. Uh, that's an LS. I think probably you know, everyone talks about short uh, SSDMs and Villanova. LSMs and Providence this year is kind of a theme there. Um, But the biggest name, obviously, for this Flyers defense, which I'm a big fan of, is Toby Bergdorf. Um, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, Bergdorf. Um, He was... He had to sit behind Tate Boyce. And Tate Boyce was a All-American, all, all, all you know, all Big East cowboy goalie, uh, one of the by the best in the conference. To be frank with you, um, Bergdorf, and I think U.S. Lacrosse Magazine did a good feature on him a few weeks ago on Bergdorf. Uh, he steps up and plays out of his mind. Like I think a lot of people, are like okay, okay, you know. They lose boys. What's going to happen now? Can anyone step up? He steps up and plays lights out all season long. Well, the games they got in. He went second in save percentage with .628, so rounded up to 63%. Um, No, he's a guy that He's probably the best goalie. Probably McAvoy and him are two, no, no doubt the best goalies in the Big East, but 
probably two of the top five goalies in the country. And um, Bergdorf, and Boyce is a, I think he's still a volunteer assistant with Providence. I'm not sure if he's this year as well, but um, getting to, if he is, again, getting getting coached by him two years, no, getting to play behind him and then coached by him for two years, it's not a bad uh, not a bad situation to be in at all. Um, he took on the challenge last year, was a starter, and played great. Uh, so, you know, Providence, their defense is the number one thing you got to know about this team. Uh, Matt Grillo on offense is going to be the guy to know on that um, on that offensive end. Villanova. Just talked about Villanova uh, for a second. They're about SSDMs. And, uh, again, I think Villanova, the biggest loss for them, obviously, is uh, Coast. Uh, Connor Coast um, on, on the offensive end. But they get a pretty good amount of their team back outside of him. And the biggest get back is, or the biggest guy they return is Patrick Kennedy. A redshirt senior, uh, 33 ground balls. 15 caused turnovers last season. Um, and he missed 2018 with an injury. Um, but, he, you know, he started every game of his career that he's been healthy. Uh, 2018 obviously missed, but since then he started, you know, um, besides then he started every game of his career. Uh, and, like, the jump that he made from his redshirt sophomore year in 2019 to 2020 as a redshirt junior was, like, the only way you can describe it is profound. Um, and he's going to be the leader on that back end again this year. Um, Zachary uh, Kreiser and Owen, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name, um, are both back. Kreiser is a fifth-year guy. Um, and then Owen coming back as well. Um so you got your entire starting defense back. And then Will Vitton was a – he's been um, – I think he's been their starting goalkeeper for the past two seasons. Obviously was last year as a sophomore. He's back as a junior. He'll be the anchor of this defense um, again. Yeah, he started – he's been a starter since his freshman year. A lot of good goalies in the Big East this year. Um and then, you know, I would be remiss to mention what I just mentioned earlier, the short stick defensive midfield department, uh, Chet Camizzo, who is TJ Camizzo's little brother. Uh, he was a stud last year for them. Um, and, you know, he played second fiddle to his brother in 2019, stepped into a larger role last year. Obviously, um, Warner came in, and Jared Warner, I almost said Ty for a second, Jared Warner came in as a grad transfer. Um, he's not back this year, so he's gone. He kind of was the the big name on that SSDM uh, line with Camizio kind of playing. Camizio was the number one guy. Warner got, had some injury issues, um, and Camizio, he stepped in. And did his part, played well. Should do that again here in 2021. Uh, Amherst grad transfer Jimmy McAfee 
uh, also adds more talent to that short stick defensive midfield spot. Um, I think he's probably one of the best, um, one of the best D three to D one transfers this year. Moving on to Marquette, um, the big thing for this Marquette team is youth. Um, obviously, coming into the second year of the Stimmel era, uh, they were three and four last season. Uh, but all four of their losses came by an average of one and a half goals. So this is not a team that was getting blown out. They weren't really good, but they were decent. Um, and I'm not exactly sure how to gauge how big of a jump they can make in 2021. It could be pretty sizable. It could be minuscule. Um, but I think they will make a jump nonetheless here in 2021. Um, they returned six seniors uh, for the fifth season, uh, and that's kind of the – I mentioned the, the youth, uh, but then also these six seniors coming back, that's kind of the big storyline uh, for this team. P.J. Cox, uh, one of the top defensemen, and then uh, Peter Hen- uh, Hen- Hink Haas, um Defenseman as well. And then midfielder Ryan Fazio um, is coming back also. Those are the three starters they return. Um, Connor McClelland, who was a midfielder, he played and started in only three of the contests last year, is also uh, coming back for another season. And we'll see um, if he does play more this year. Um, it, it makes an impact. And also, my guy, Morgan Macko, um, had a stellar career here in Louisville for Bellarmine. And, uh, you know, he's going up to Marquette. Uh, second, Bellarmine transfer heading to Marquette in the past couple of seasons, along with goalie Johnny Holzman, who's going to be the starter in, in between the pipes again this year. Holzman, I say this every time I talk about him, he had one of the best freshman campaigns that I've ever seen, like in person, from a goalie. It was outstanding, and he's been doing a great job up there at Marquette. Um, so Marquette got a lot of fifth-year guys coming in, including Mako, uh, who is a uh, fifth-year guy, taking that advantage of the uh, extra year of eligibility at Marquette. Um, so we'll see what they do this year with those six guys coming in. And then I, I mentioned the, the, the youth on this team. Like, they had three freshmen and one sophomore among the top six offensive threats last year. Uh, Chris Koshner at the midfield spot, attackman Devin Cohen, and Jake Stigman, uh, who's also an attackman, uh, were... Their top three scorers last season. So, and then also attackman Holden Patterson, um, who is a sophomore, uh, was tied for fifth in scoring as well. So, you know, this is a, it's a young team, but they've got a lot of fifth-year guys as well to kind of, um, kind of guide the way, kind of lead the way. But a lot of these young guys from last year are going to be stepping up, making some, some big-time impacts. Uh, St. John's. St. John's is uh, 
you know, this is a team that they haven't been particularly good. Um, you know, they haven't won a Big East game since I want to say 2016, I believe it was. Yeah, 2016, okay. Just pulled it up here. 2016, the last Big East game they won. You know, they've they've looked competitive. They've played good against good t- competition. Um, last season, they were 3-4, and four, and one of their losses came by one goal, uh, 12-11 loss uh, at Stony Brook. It was a quality Stony Brook squad. Um, talked about them last podcast. Um, in previewing the American East. So, you know, can they... The big question for me with St. John's is, can they take a step forward? Can they get that Big East win off their back? Um, Because I think that, for the most part, you know, look, they're not the most talented team. Um, They do return uh, Mike and Joe Madsen. Um, uh, I think Mike Madsen is a fifth-year guy. Um, And then Joe Madsen, I believe, was a sophomore or junior last year. Um, yeah, he was a junior last year. Uh, Joe Madsen was. Mike was a fifth, was a senior. Come back for a fifth year. They combined for 56 points last year. Um, having the Madsen brothers back is absolutely huge. Uh, Dylan Willis, midfielder, I'm a big fan of. Uh, seven goals, four assists last year, uh, who is a junior this season. But... The biggest, the biggest, biggest, biggest thing for the St. John's team is the face-off dot. They lose Jonathan Dugino. Um, He went, let me pull this up real quick. He went, it was amazing what he did last year for this team, like, I mentioned the Madsen brothers were a bright spot, um, and the face-off dot was a bright spot. Not much else to kind of celebrate, um, but did you know he went 55% at the dot? Uh, he's going to Rutgers now. Transfers to Rutgers. 